You're listening to Orange County's only station with critical business information, Critical Mass, with your host, Rick Franzi. Welcome to Critical Mass Coast to Coast. I am your host, Rick Franzi. Welcome to our program, which is being engineered today by Paul Roberts. Thank you for listening to the program. Critical Mass Coast to Coast airs live on Thursdays at 3 p.m. West Coast time, of course. And it's heard exclusively here on internet radio station, octalkradio.net. The goal for this show is to help you, our listening audience, make better business decisions. I'd like to thank our sponsors, Commerce National Bank, Succession Strategy, Smart Business Magazine, and Smart Stop Self-Storage for making the program possible. Critical Mass Coast to Coast is a production of Renaissance Executive Forums and Critical Mass for Business. Renaissance Executive Forums brings together the top executives from non-competing companies into an advisory board process through which thousands of leaders gain fresh ideas and new insights. If you're listening to the program today, you're going to be in for a treat. We have two guests coming to us from the greater Philadelphia area. As you know, our Coast to Coast show is a nationally syndicated program. And today, our producer, Ken Wax, from Renaissance Executive Forums in Philadelphia, has brought us both guests. So, after we come back from our first commercial timeout, our first guest will be with us. And after that, we'll take another break and our second guest. So hang on, ladies and gentlemen. We'll be right back after this commercial timeout. Can we talk about your family business? You know, that thing you put your whole life's blood, sweat, and tears into? Well, what happens when you retire or try and pass that business on to your children? At Succession Strategies, we can help you find the answers. We'll guide you through the unsettling process of protecting your family legacy and successfully passing your business on to the next generation, safely and securely, ensuring that it'll both survive and thrive for generations to come. So ask yourself just one question. Can I really afford to wait? Take the first step. Take our complimentary self-assessment at SuccessionStrategies.com. Or call us at 714-560-9022 to set up a free consultation at your convenience. That's succession-strategies.com. I got stuff to the right, more stuff to the left. Got enough stuff, but I can't take a step. So I smart stopped and took a minute to think. I need a little better spot, not under the sink. With Smart Stop, I leave the stress at the door. This is the smarter way to store. Smart Stop bucks the system. Your first month's rent is just a buck. Your next three months are half off. Call 888-97-STORAGE and mention this station. Goodbye clutter, hello floors. Smart Stop, the smarter way to store. Critical Mass Coast to Coast. I am your host, Rick Franzi. Al Mulaccio of Jamis Sales Success is our first guest today. Al, welcome to the radio show. Hi, Rick. Thanks for having me. Let's talk a little bit about Jamis Sales Success. Can you give us a little bit about the firm's background, your background maybe as well, and also answer the all-important question, what makes Jamis Sales Success different than other service providers in your space? Well, uh, I'm the CEO and founder of this company, and I actually have a 40-plus uh, year career uh, 
in business uh, with capacities focused very much on sales and marketing, and uh, for that matter, uh, leading small emerging businesses and uh, doing my own startups. I have about 30 years coming out of corporate America, so I have a pretty wide background. We focus on getting small and medium-sized businesses to their next level of success. And that can involve a number of different things. I think the two things that make us different are, number one, while we do a lot of, uh, of hands-on work, we are also part of the executive team of the medium-sized companies. So it gives us a presence both at the round table at the executive level as well as in the field helping them execute. And then the second thing I think that uh, has come on the scene for me the last 15 months is we've shifted our focus to get capital raises for our clients using this relatively new technique called crowdfunding. And I'd like to get into that in a little more detail in just a few minutes here on Critical Mass Radio Show L. I find that an interesting blend of services, and I want to explore that a little bit. I did want to back up when you said small and mid-sized companies, and then you said we're on the executive team. I'm curious, what's the average size of the firms that you work with? Well, I, over the years, they have actually ranged from, from very large, meaning billions of dollars of revenue, But frankly, the last five years, I really prefer the firms that are ranging from roughly about two million a year in revenue to about forty to fifty million a year in revenue. For me, Rick, the key criteria is that the company really has something special, and they really need help to get it to the next level. What do you think is um, the key to helping? Because Two million to forty million; those can be very different types of size and scale of businesses, and require different kind of help for you. People that listen to our radio show tend to be CEO and business owners of companies, frankly, that size. L. So, could, could you give sort of a sense for what's different in your approach in working with those size companies than the work that your firm does with the hundred million or the billion dollar firms? Where do you focus your energy when you're looking at improving the sales performance and top-line growth? I I, I focus my energy really on getting inside and taking a close look at what they have, what makes them different, and how they should communicate that and deliver that through various sales processes. Uh, the, uh, The emphasis on process is important. Because that brings you the leverage and the scalability that those companies need. Sometimes they'll often have one superstar who's carrying the load, but that's not the way they need to grow and expand. So I kind of focus on getting that that message out across the broader number of people who can represent the uh, company much better. I said in the open that your firm is in the greater Philadelphia area because Ken Wax brought you to us. And I'm wondering, where do, what's your service area, Al? Where do you, uh, I guess that's the question, what's your service area? Where are your clients located? You know, it's kind of funny because, uh, especially with this crowdfunding, okay, I'm, uh, I'm clearly wanting to help people in my geographic area because I'm a Philadelphia guy. 
but frankly, my com- customers were all over the country outside of Philadelphia. I was just in Orange County about six weeks ago with a large client that we have there. And the type of work that we do really doesn't have too many geographical barriers. So uh, it's, it's kind of, uh, I will often know, visit hands-on with my clients and, and, you know, at the right times and get things done that way. So let's talk about uh, expanding your services to include this latest exciting area of crowdsource funding, crowdfunding. Um, Take me back to when you thought as an entrepreneur, hey, there's a business opportunity for my firm, and I have the capabilities and competencies to be able to help companies in this area. What was that spark for you? I'm really glad that you brought that up because I think it's kind of important how I got to where I was, where I am right now. Excuse me, Rick. Uh, About for for the last 12 years since I've had my business, uh, I work, by the way, not with uh, multiple, uh, not too many clients at a time, typically two to three, because we're very involved where we go deep and as opposed to uh, just skim the surface. And we were doing very well with helping our clients put in sales and marketing success programs. About four to five years ago, when the real problem started, the money to the capital that these companies need to be able to produce their products, grow their products, open new markets, it just wasn't available anymore, Rick. The traditional sources, venture capital, private equity, angels, uh, they they dried up considerably since the economic problems we've had in 2007 and 2008. So really, I found that to help my clients the most, if I could find them the capital that they need, that would be the probably one of the best contributions I could make. Along comes this concept of crowdfunding, which essentially is raising a large amount of money but doing it in the opposite of the traditional way. Rather than getting a half a million, a million, two million dollars from one or two investors, what we do is we tap the large number of investors, giving smaller amounts of money and still come up with the large amount at the end, which enables my client to get out and do what they're trying to do to get to that next level of success. So, Al, for people that might not be as familiar with the funding source that you're talking about, can you share a little bit with our audience, again, of mid-market business owners and CEOs, what are the obligations that they are bound to by securing the funding through crowdfunding? Yeah, that's that's where it gets really interesting. I want to go back to, I should have added one thing to what you said about how did I go this route. Uh, Well, in my career, I have personally been involved with private equity, with venture capital, and I'm an angel investor myself. So I know full well what goes on behind the scenes of how they look and evaluate opportunities. Along with that, I've personally, in my corporate life and in my role as entrepreneur, I've raised money in boardrooms and on Wall Street. So I think I have an unusual combination of experiences that really allows me to understand what you have to do to present your company correctly. Now, back to your point that you had just said, okay, 
crowdfunding today represents an opportunity, depending on how you implement it, there's a way to raise funds where you give up zero equity in your company, and you can raise these funds from inception to cash in hand as quickly as four months. This is really unusual, Rick, for the size companies that you have and that I have, because typically that process gets dragged out over a year. And frankly, most times the companies can't wait that long to to implement what they're trying to do. And when the people give the money who support the projects, what are they getting in return for their pledging and the money that they're putting into the crowdfunding, Al? Right now, crowdfunding in the United States to accomplish it the way I'm talking about is very typically a combination of people donating because they believe in the company and the cause, coupled with some kind of reward structure. Uh, There was a bill passed that's going to be very significant. Last April, on a bipartisan basis, believe it or not, in Washington, we actually passed a, a bill called the JOBS Act. And the JOBS Act will, in fact, change how we are able to invest in equity in small companies. The equity issue right now is not open because because we're waiting for the SEC to state the final rules. But when that occurs, okay, that'll even open up a whole new flow of capital in as smaller non-accredited investors are going to be able to invest in startup companies. Is that the case in Europe, that they're able to invest in the companies and get equity? Very interesting. Yes. There's a handful of companies in Europe, uh, specifically led by the U.K., where they are doing crowdfunding for equity today. And there's one company in particular called Crowdcube, which is setting the pace with new raises and a whole exciting initiative going on in that country. We're actually behind in this, and you know that we've led the world very often in ways to invest in in investing so that small companies could get started and bring great ideas to market. So personally, I'm anxious to help lead this effort to get this company back on track. That Jobs Act that I mentioned, J-O-B-S, actually doesn't stand for jobs per se, even though that's what should be an end result. The Jobs Act stands for Jumpstart Our Businesses, and that's, that's what it's intended to do. That's what it's doing in other parts of the world. So, so we're talking we today with Al Mulaccio. He I'm is the founder of Jamis Sales Success, and we're talking right now about the exciting area of crowdfunding and how that might help mid-market, small and mid-market business owners find sources of capital. So I wanted to ask, as crowdfunding gets more like traditional investing where there is ownership opportunities through the funding, do you see, based on your background and experience, that this source of capital raise could actually become not a threat to, but a but a logical alternative to private equity, angel investors, venture capitalists? Let me, that's a great question, Rick. And I'll tell you, depending on your, your view, 
uh, it, it can be those different things to different people. But I'd rather tell you what some people with a little bit more prominence than myself are saying. The CEO of the New York Stock Exchange just about six months ago, ago uh, announced that it is likely that in five years this is the way all small business will start up with this kind of crowdfunding investment so that they, in fact, prove themselves and prove that they do have products, markets, and customers before our traditional sources of venture capital and angels and private equity invest in them. Mark Cuban, who's a fairly well-known serial entrepreneur, he thinks it should be mandatory that companies prove themselves with crowdfunding as a start. My personal take is that uh, I personally deal with a number of VCs, and that community is split in half, Rick. Half of them are, don't like this idea. They think it's taking things away from their opportunities. The other half are basically saying, this is a great way for these companies to prove themselves because I'm frankly not going to take the risk of investing in a mid-sized company like that. I wanted to add one other thing, Rick, about the markets that you, you work with and I work with. Uh, a great way to use crowdfunding for a mid-market type company is when they want to expand their product or service line, rather than dipping into their till of money, they can crowdfund that idea and use the proceeds from the crowdfunding to not only produce the product or service, but to also test the viability in the audience who will buy it. So it's, it's a different paradigm, and where it's being used, it's, it's proving quite successful. So, so let's talk about the RAP tour. I know that you've had experience with that and insight, and maybe as an example of a, of a place where it's working successfully, Al, you could talk a little bit about that for our audience? Yeah, I'd like to talk about it generically, okay? Because I, I think this is the real value of what crowdfunding brings. When, when you have something that's successful, okay, you can utilize their prominence, their being known to audiences, and use things like social media and the Internet to reach out to a much larger audience to get them to support the product or the service. And, and this is one of the big changes that's going down with the Jobs Act and what's frankly happening across the world. The Internet is allowing us to reach out to different audiences and convert them to be customers, and if not customers immediately, lining them up to be potential for the future. What you're saying are your earliest investors may be your proof of concept that you have a viable business because they also may be users of your product. Very much so. And as users of products at the early stage, and because they believe in your cause, they are more likely to promote your product to other users and just, you know, just increase your success factor dramatically. So they become evangelists, early adopters, whatever term fits. But in the work that you do in your sales consulting work, Al, 
Do you see that these could converge as far as a marketing and sales strategy for a company as well as a funding strategy? But most definitely. It's it's really pretty interesting that you pick up on that, Rick. Uh, again, I've done this for a lot of years, and about 20 years ago, uh, my marketing people, I never used to listen to them, so I've learned the hard way, okay? Today, there's a very tight integration between sales and marketing. And as, as the CEO, if you're not making that happen, you need to make that happen in your company. I now see the capital raise function being closely hip-and-hip hip integrated with both those business functions. And it really creates a whole dynamic way that produces more validity of whether you're on the right track with the right products that you're doing. A, a term that sometimes gets introduced into this is crowdsourcing. And crowdsourcing actually started well, a bit before crowdfunding, at least a term. Crowdsourcing goes out to people and collects ideas. Crowdfunding monetizes that and actually collects money. So we These are kind of in the, in the beginning here of a whole new paradigm and changes like the one that you just cited, where marketing, capital raise, and sales will be integrated together, I think are very much what's the byproduct of the whole thing. Well, these are exciting times, and technology is enabling this, but I am a big proponent of building communities and building differentiation within those communities, and I can see very much how this, how the work that you're doing with your clients across the country are really giving a more sophisticated approach to how they raise money and how they grow their business and applaud you for being an entrepreneur who continues to look for ways to benefit the marketplace. So if someone wanted to learn more about you and about your firm, how do they find you online, Al? Well, I would like them actually to do two things, okay? Find us online by going to jamiscrowdfunding.com. That's J-A-M-M like in Mary, I-S, jamiscrowdfunding.com. And they also have the ability to call and speak to me directly at 610-971-0698. I really think a conversation is the best way to get to the root of, is crowdfunding right for you? It, again, Rick, it's it's like we, we well know. There's no one thing that satisfies everybody's needs. But based on my years of experience, um, myself and my team are doing a very good job of adapting a number of situations to being potential for crowdfunding. Well, I appreciate you sharing a little bit about this exciting new financing funding vehicle and the work that you're doing in the marketplace. Thanks for being a guest on the radio program, a friend of the show, and welcome to the Critical Mass and Renaissance Executive Forum's business community, Al. And thank you for sponsoring these types of things. I think they're a tremendous help to CEOs. Thank you, sir. Okay. Bye-bye. All right. That was Al Bulaccio, ladies and gentlemen, CEO and founder. And we're going to be taking our second commercial break. And then when we come back, our second guest here on Critical Mass Coast to Coast will be ready to go and share some insights and advice with you. 
Stay tuned, ladies and gentlemen. We'll be right, right back after these words from our sponsors. The Orange County Business Journal has ranked Commerce National Bank the 26th fastest-growing public company in Orange County, and they remain a Bauer Financial five-star institution. President and CEO Mark Simmons attributes this success to how well the bank treats its customers and employees. Commerce National Bank simply delivers personal service at a higher level than its competitors, while offering technology on par with the big banks. If your organization could use a new business bank, call Mary Miller, Senior Vice President, at 949-870-3863 or visit them online at www.commercenatbank.com. That's commercenatbank.com. Give Commerce National a chance to do better than your bank and they will handle the rest. If you are an Orange County business executive, this message is for you. Do you ever feel isolated with no place to turn for advice or feedback? Who holds you accountable to your commitments in your company? Where do you find the right resources to help you and your company grow? If you have these questions, then Critical Math for Business might be the answer for you. Critical Mass for Business is committed to helping you make better decisions. These are groups of peers running businesses just like you, providing a great sounding board to test ideas and concepts, review plans and goals, and present issues and opportunities for discussion. The result is improved strategy, accountability, people, and execution skills. If you are interested in learning more, go to www.criticalmassforbusiness.com and learn more about our executive peer group. Welcome back to Critical Mass Coast to Coast. I am your host, Rick Franzi. In case you are one of those loyal listeners who likes to listen to the show live here on octalkradio.net, this show will continue to stay in its time slot, which is Thursday afternoons at 3 p.m., all times West Coast time. Our Tuesday show, which is Critical Mass, which features Orange County business leaders and nonprofit leaders, is moving from Tuesday at 4 p.m. to Wednesday at 4 p.m., effective with our first show in April, which, guess what, is next week. So if you're our loyal, live, listening audience, then please make sure to tune in this station on Wednesday at 4 p.m. to hear Critical Mass radio show and Thursdays at 3 p.m., to listen to Critical Mass, Coast to Coast. All right, let's turn our attention to Bart Maraz. Bart, welcome to Critical Mass, Coast to Coast. Hey, Rick, how are you? I'm doing fine. You're CEO, and your firm is Sumo Heavy Industries. Tell us about Sumo Heavy Industries and a little bit about yourself. Sure. So we're a digital commerce uh, consulting firm. Uh, we work with small to medium-sized online retailers, help them out with their digital sort of initiatives and uh, projects. Um, I myself been the CEO, and uh, we have two co-founders um, for the business. Uh, been around technology for a very long time, and this is this is perfect for for what we do uh, for from a co-founding type of standpoint. Okay, your title is CEO, but your uh, tagline title is head of brand experience. What does that mean? Uh, yeah, actually, the actual title, it is Head of uh, Brand Experience, and it, I guess it would be kind of flipped. Um, and a, a tagline is CEO. Um, so the that 
particular sort of title comes from um, having our customers sort of having me being the, the sort of the top, and I love how customers kind of interact with our brand. So everything from bad experiences to good experiences, that's sort of what that title is. So I'm, I'm sort of the head of the, of, of the brand, of our brand experience. So tell me, what is your background? Uh, technology and business. I got a business degree uh, from Temple University here in Philly, um, and then been working for a whole bunch of technology uh, companies from networking to web development. All right. And then how did you guys decide on the name of your firm, Sumo Heavy Industries? So Sumo comes from actually our creative uh, director's last name and my last name put together, kind of squeezed in there. Um, and then we just thought it was really, really funny, and you know everything in Japan is either enterprises or uh, industries. Plus, we did not want to have a generic name for what we do, um, and it kind of fits. So a little tongue in cheek then with the name. A little bit tongue in cheek. Plus, you know we do service multiple different industries, so it's just not one. Um, so every kind of that whole name just kind of fit. Plus, the brand just kind of works. So as being responsible for the brand experience slash being the CEO, kind of the uh, front man, if you will, I guess, for Sumo Heavy Industries, do you have a guiding principle or a belief system, Bart, that you're using to grow and build the firm? Sure. So for us, it's, you know, obviously try to make the customer as happy as possible, make their businesses grow. But also we do serve a lot of tough love, and that comes from being the Sumo guys. Um, you know, we find that small to medium retailers have sometimes need a little bit of tough love of, you know, this is what they should be doing and not, you know, kind of growing their business. So we love our customers, and they've been us, most of our customers have been us with, with us for a long time. But I think it's, you know, sometimes that tough love ha- helps too. Well, you know, it's a difficult space as well, in my opinion, when you're, you know, when you're the creative staff and you're helping people in an area where maybe um, they're not sure what they need you to do to help them, I would think being stern, especially as it relates around scope yes. of work and really what you want as an outcome, is probably a is a helpful thing to have in a partner in the space that you're in at Sumo Heavy Industries. Yeah, that's correct. Um, so we find ourselves a lot of our projects actually right now are rescue projects. So they are either bad implementations of current stuff or just need the business just needs help and they think the technology side of it. So a lot of times when you talk to customers, it's really their business that they need help with, like their workflows, anything they do with it, not really the technology side. The technology is just a, you know, sort of means to an end, but um, for us it's more important to sit down with them to do the business side. And sometimes, like I said, they need a little bit of tough love. And so I think in the earlier uh, answer to question, Bart, you said that you work with small and mid-sized retail firms. Is that correct? Yes. Yes. What do you define as small and mid-sized? Um, our, most of our uh, clients are between 5 and $50 million in sales. You know, their operations are either, you know, about 10 to 50 people to about 75 people that work within the retailer. And your geography that you service, I know that you're in the greater Philadelphia area, but where where do you find your clients and how big of a reach do you have? Uh, we're actually our clients all over the country. Um, we haven't done any international just yet. 
Um, we most of our pretty much all of our business right now it's all referral. So it's our site, our writing, and then just referral of, of customers um, that brings most of the business. It's nice when customers, satisfied customers, refer you future prospects. Yep, that's correct. Uh, it's it's the greatest testimonial to a job well done when they're willing to put their brand on top of your brand by referring you to somebody they know. Absolutely, it's uh, it's definitely a good warm hard feeling when we uh, when we get clients actually selling for us and this just basically sending new business to us. So tell me a little bit about a challenge that might be facing sumo heavy industries, and and I guess as we always do here on Critical. As coast to coast, we like to hear the challenge, but we also are curious, as is the audience, to understand what you and the team are doing to address the challenge. Sure. Um, so for us, I think right now it's sort of growth when it comes to staff. Um, you know, we're a small firm; we're only we're about we're going to be three years old, um, and and growth of staff is, is really hard. We try to bring in sort of people who we know um, through through that process and. You know, when it comes to to knowing people how well they work, there's nothing better than having, you know, somebody work for for us for a while. We actually bring them as a contractor. Um, so the challenges are really, you know, some are good developers or good marketing people, but just personalities don't don't work with us, and that's always a tough decision. Just to let somebody go. It's the most difficult thing that growing companies have to really address in our experience out here in California working with small mid-sized companies is adding those extra people to the team really does change the team and you have to be very careful to protect your culture. Many times in hiring, you know, companies look at the technical skills and capabilities of the people and maybe sometimes forget about the cultural fit. My sense, Bart, of you and your partners and your company, that may not be the case at Sumo Heavy Industries. I think you probably are looking also for a good fit as well as a capabilities when you bring people onto the team. Yeah, that's correct. We actually like both. Um, we're a small firm. We're very, very um, sort of family-oriented when it comes to that. Um, best example is our creative director. We know each other for about 15 years, so obviously his name is on the, on the Sumo tagline. So um, we're definitely more of really taking care of our personnel and, and what they do, but also the technical skills. So Fitting within what we do is is hard, um, and that's why it's always a challenge for us to find somebody perfect for what they do. So let's talk about a past experience, Bart, that you've had. On the radio program, when I asked this question, I sort of frame it by saying, think back to a time when you learned a very valuable business lesson that you're carrying with you today, but it came from what at the time felt like an experience that was either difficult or painful or challenging. Can you think, Bart, of a time in your background where you had that experience and the lesson was something that you would like to share with our audience? Absolutely. Um, I think I just, I just, we just kind of went through some of this um, at a previous event. Um, basically, finding the right partner um, for the company, I would suggest always having a partner or two to to work with it. We, I had a company beforehand. I had two partners, and um, it didn't go too well. So, um, from from just just personalities clashing and not having the same vision for the company, um, that that was that was a painful experience. Um, my current partner, we're very very good with each other. We complement each other really really well. Um, we're Two different people, but actually the vision of our company is exactly the same. 
so we both drive the company as fast as we can to, to growth. You know, that's an interesting observation because I'm not sure that people spend enough thoughtful time with a business partner before they launch the business to make sure they're they're compatible under a variety of circumstances. And not that you can anticipate everything that a company might be going through as you kind of launch it together, but many times, in my experience, being brought into a partnership where there are issues, some fundamental questions that could have been or should have been ta- talked about before the company launched were either uncomfortable to discuss or not even considered valuable to discuss, only to have them kind of raise their head you know, through issues within the company and then present either major issues or you know, even sometimes issues that are irreparable and you have to dissolve the company, which is really an unfortunate situation. That is true. We, um, um, I have a partner that's awesome right now, um, and I actually wouldn't recommend the way we actually did it. Um, sort of, I called them up one time and said, "We're starting a company. You're a fifty percent partner." And then about four months later, we actually were living together. So there's nothing like knowing a person when you live with somebody while running a company. Oh, so yeah. we're in different places now, but uh, I wouldn't recommend it. But it worked out really, really good for us. Yeah, you probably defied the odds uh, with that strategy, Bart, but that's good to see. And yeah. obviously you knew something at a, at a very base level that has worked out well for you and John and the entire team there at Suma Heavy Industries. Let's talk about the future. Let's talk about growth. Where do you see the company going? Where are the opportunities? And can you describe kind of your future vision for your firm? Absolutely. So. We always have this from the beginning when we started a company. We don't want a lot of clients because we do like to be very intimate with them. So we're looking at having between 10 to 15 clients that we work with every single day. A smaller team that's about you know maybe 20 people that fit exact what we need. Um, that's sort of our vision. Um, we like it that way. We like to work with our clients every day, knowing them personally too. So that's sort of the, the full vision of what we do and we haven't veered off of it at all, um, and we just keep on going that way. So actually, that's our growth strategy. When you do that, do you see, I mean, you guys are in a, yeah, I always am interested when I have business leaders of either technology companies or companies that are predicated, business model relies on foundational technology to drive it forward. Uh, do you see a lot of new opportunities for small and mid-market business owners to use technology to help with branding and e-commerce and the other projects that you're working on? I mean, you know, sometimes we think we're at an end state with tech, what technology's done for us, but I guess I'd like to get a bite at the apple with you to answer that question. I mean, with what you know about the industry, do you think there's even better and bigger tools coming that are cost-effective for small and mid-market companies in the future? I think so. I think there's better tools um, from startups to, you know, mid-market companies that are trying to build new tools for clients, um, also for small businesses. I think that there's definitely opportunities everywhere for small business or small consulting firms to get into um, because you know, even big clients are going to smaller firms that are very <laughs> what they do. It's part of why we do only e-commerce and nothing else. Um, so definitely there's there's opportunities everywhere to go after every single market there is. Even if you're just a freelancer, um, I think there's definitely opportunity. If someone would like to learn more about you or the firm, how do they find you online? Uh, our website is sumoheavy.com, um, and you can just uh, check us out. 
Um, our emails, everything else is on there. So definitely there's Twitter. Uh, we're sumo at Sumo Heavy. Well, I appreciate you being on the program. Thanks to Ken Wax, our producer in Philadelphia, for bringing you and your firm to our attention. Bart, continued success. Thank you very much. All right, ladies and gentlemen, that will conclude today's episode of Critical Bass Coast to Coast. Just a program reminder, if you're a listener to our live broadcast, our previously aired Tuesday show will be effective, will be moving to Wednesday, effective next week. Uh, April will begin, we'll be airing our shows on Wednesday at 4 p.m. And this show, Critical Mass Coast to Coast, will remain on Thursday at 3 p.m. Both shows can be heard live here on octalkradio.net or found off of my website, criticalmass4business.com. All archives are available on Apple iTunes and Stitcher as podcasts. I'd like to thank our engineer, Paul Roberts, for engineering a flawless show today. Our producer is Rachel Franzi. Our guest coordinator is Kathleen Shepard. And our marketing communications manager for the program is Kelly Faltis. This is your host, Rick Franzi, saying until the next time I have a chance to talk with you, here's hoping that all of your decisions will move your business in a positive direction. You've been listening to Critical Mass Coast to Coast right here on octalkradio.net.